It's an awesome day to be in the house of God. Y'all didn't know you was going to have a Cajun come and speak to you today. You didn't know you had a Cajun cousin. That's the one you don't claim. It's one of them ones that's crazy. You know, everybody's got a little crazy in their family. You know, you got that cousin or that, that crazy uncle or, or what have you. We just happened, you know, in South Louisiana where I grew up, the majority of the people are like that. But uh, we eat really good. Hey, amen, come on. You got a gift of uh, culinary spirit. But uh, we, love, we love our food and we love people and Cajun people are always having a good time. And, you know, somebody asked me one time, they said, man, you eating all that food in South Louisiana is so bad for you. You know, you need to try some of that kale or some of that other, you know, that more healthy approach. And I'm like, I said, let me tell you something. I said, you may live five years longer than I do, but I'm going to die with a good taste in my mouth <laughs> and a smile on my face. But want to welcome all of you up north. Up north, you guys got a little different weather than we do down south. I'm not going to get into the food discussion, politics, or uh, anything else like that, or football teams. You know, all I can tell you is when God wants to use somebody, he, you know, a Cajun, he brings them to Birmingham, Alabama, calls them. It's kind of like when you're an LSU fan, you know, you're an LSU fan and you get called to Alabama, it's like getting called to the 1040 window, someplace like Afghanistan, because they don't get it. They just win all the time, and I'm so sick and tired. Let me just vent for a second. I'm so sick and tired of getting whooped up on by Alabama. You know, I'm just praying for our coach at LSU. You can't understand a word he's saying, but I'm praying for him. <laughs> Go Tigers. And, uh, but just having a blast in Birmingham, I get to serve at what I believe is just a, a miracle called Church of the Highlands, and we had 30 5,000 people, first-time salvations in the last 12 months. Give God the glory. You know, and it's not, you say, well, numbers and all that, that really doesn't matter. Numbers all throughout the Bible mattered because they represent a life. And God's really, his only concern or what he, he's concerned most on his heart all the time is simply people. And the local church is placed in a way to be the vehicle to make that introduction. But we come here to encounter God, to get plugged in with spiritual family, but then we need to give it away. Because the church can't be inclusive, you know, kind of like just all inward and everything else. We need to come into a place where we can have this encounter. Our lives change, our marriage is healed. Come on, somebody. Addictions delivered, all the different things that people deal with. So that we can then get in a position to go extend our hand to somebody else in need and introduce them to what we've experienced. That's the local church. And the only way it's going to be the hope of the world is when we all get involved. And that's both not a pastor just setting the vision, but business people need to know their place. A business person needs to know that like this is the lane I'm supposed to run in. And let me share something with you, business person. You have a calling on your life in the marketplace that's equally as important as the calling on a senior pastor's life or on a worship leader's life. And we're going to get into some of that. My life changed. I'm 54 years old, and whoever said 50 is a new 30 is a liar. 50 is 50. <laughs> and all of you who are over 50, you know what I'm talking about. You get woke up in the middle of the night. 
because you got to go to the bathroom. I mean, you just like, things are just different. But 50 is 50. It ain't the new 30. I love your pastors. Got to meet them in, in California. We were at a marriage retreat. My wife and I have got an amazing marriage, but you know, sometimes you get a little depleted and we needed to get away. And so we were with about 10 other couples. We knew no one. Matter of fact, I didn't even check the website where I was going because an anonymous friend scholarship me and my wife to go to this place. I said, I ain't going to California. They have crazy over there. I said, I'm not going to California. And it's like, I'm staying in, in, at home in Alabama. And they're like, no, 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 this is going to be an amazing time. Well, my wife convinced me, honey, we need to go. So we go, had no clue where I'm going, did not even go check the website. And so we get to this place, and it's a little lodge, and there's 10 or so couples from around the country. And our marriage was impacted in such a way that it was the best experience we ever had. We can get so busy that we forget about the very thing that's most precious. And we can even be doing great God things, and we can forget about the thing that's most precious. But got to meet, got to meet your pastors and immediately fell in love with them. Just saw the authenticity the love and support that they have for each other because they put us in some situations that would expose all that. And, all, you know, and I failed like the first and second time. And they're like, oh, we know who's the one who's kind of the hard-headed one of the bunch, you know, because I married a saint. My wife, man, she's beautiful inside and out. And, uh, you know, we've got, uh, we've got five children. And uh, I even got a picture of my family. Um, that's my whole crew. And you say, man, that's a lot of kids, five kids. You must love kids. I said, no, I don't really love kids. I just love my wife a whole lot. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Come on, somebody. She's beautiful. Come on, somebody. So my son, Winston, uh, my daughter-in-law, uh, London. I'm going to skip over my other daughter-in-law. I call her my daughter-in-loves. Lauren, this was their wedding, Grayson. My son, Winston's in IT, uh, London's a nurse, uh, Lauren's a graphic designer, Grayson's in med school, come on, be the first doctor in the domain lineage of however long that is, and you know what he wants to do? He says, he goes, Dad, God's going to give me this gift to go make a difference and help people, you know, with the gift of being able to have do medicine, but it's going to be for the kingdom. So he's got a special gift and anointing on his life that he's had since he was very, very little. Um, Sam, Samantha, we call her Sam, uh, my daughter-in-love, my son Harrison, who's in full-time ministry in students, and then that little joker right there, that's my chicken nugget. I call him Nugget because he used to eat so many chicken nuggets when he was little. Uh, but that's Ashton. He's a freshman at Alabama on the Alabama track team. And so though I do not roll tide for the football team, I do roll tide for the track team. And, uh, but just a blessing. And then I've got three little grandbabies. Uh, one is bacon. <laughs> this little, that's my first Evelyn right there. And she is amazing. She can't, she couldn't say pops. I'm pops. That's lovey. Couldn't say pops. But what she could say, and I believe it was the, it was the voice of the Lord. <laughs> she comes running to me and she calls me instead of pops. It comes out as boss. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, you're right. That's prophetic boss. So she's near and dear to my heart. And then over here is baby Zara 
and then we just had our first grandson, and his name is Winston. And uh, I love that little dude. I'm having a blast with all of them. I love being pops. And, uh, but right here is my fifth child, and she is the only girl, and she is the majority. She's got automatic veto because she's got a daddy's heart. And I told my, us boys, they like, Dad, you just kind of like, you tell people when you're speaking that she's your favorite. I go, that's right, she is. I say, it's, it's okay to be two. You second. But I love you. But she's my little sunshine and uh, just such a, such a joy. And then my wife, Laura, we've been married uh, almost 30 years. And uh, I love her more each and every day. Um, marriage can maintain and even get better year by year by year. The first couple years that we were married was not a testimony. It was kind of a massacre. It was not, it wasn't good. It wasn't the model you wanted to follow. But God had his hand on our lives. And because we were quick to forgive, because we really committed to pray together and to do life together, She's my number one advocate. She's my number one cheerleader. She's the person that believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. She had the ability to speak life into me. You know what, ladies? You got the ability to speak life into your man like nobody else can. And we got the ability to tear people down like nobody else can. So let's speak life. My wife is a wife of a second chance. She's a lady who's believed in me, and so I honor her. I mean, she not only she's beautiful on the outside, but she's an amazing leader. I call her my cedar of Lebanon. Come on. And cause, not because she looks like a tree, because she is strong like one. And so we operate in what I call the fullness of oneness together. That fullness of oneness is, I was praying one day, and it's like God was showing me. He said, why are you praying in half your strength? I connected you with that lady right there. Why don't you get a hold of her hand and start praying with her daily? Not blessing the food, but y'all pray together as one. And as we started doing that, God started. It was awkward at first. I was like looking at her eyebrow because I couldn't focus that long. And I would look at the, like the picture behind there, and I'm like, oh, yeah, bless God, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, but I would get distracted because it was awkward. But then God did something to our marriage. And we started praying in really 100% of our power. If I could give you any one nugget, and I, this is not even on script or message, but I could give you one nugget. Start praying together every day with your spouse. Start five minutes. I didn't say this in the first service, but it's a true story, so I'll go say it in the second service. My mentor and my pastor, I love him. He's the one that taught me the fullness of oneness. That, he was a pastor for 40 years. He says, I got the secret for any marriage counseling, for any marriage issue. And I said, what's that, Pastor Curry? He said, you get them together and you have that couple, you get them to start praying together. He goes, it'll change their life. And I said, really? He goes, and I've never had one come back. I said, how's that? He goes, because when they're there, I said, y'all start praying together. You're going to follow my direction. If you follow everything I say, God's going to restore your marriage. And sure enough, he was 100%. And I said, well, what was the secret? He said, I just tell him, y'all start praying together, take a 30-day challenge. Pray together every day with no clothes. That's a true story. That man never had one problem with marriage counseling. Pray together. 
Clothing is optional. <laughs> Pastor JC may not have me back, <laughs> but I got the microphone. <laughs> I don't know about you. I want church to be joyful. I want church to have, I want to have fun. I do not want to have a lemon sucking spirit where I look so uptight. And you know what? There was a man I traveled with that you guys would know his name. We went, I had a chance to bring him to the LSU. He's a huge Georgia fan. And so he's the LSU Georgia game. And so we all traveling together and we're having a great time. And, and I looked at that man's life and he's worth tremendous wealth and influence. And I looked at his life and the thing that I took away from that, he's 79 years old and he has more joy than I've seen on a five-year-old at Walmart. He is sitting there full of joy and happiness. And I said, I want that. I don't need to be old and mean. I want to be young and full of life and laugh and have fun. Life's going to suck the life out of us. But what we've got to do is we've got to choose joy. My Bible says that the joy of the Lord is going to be my strength. And I don't know about you, but I don't want that lemon-sucking spirit. I want to be full of joy. I want my legacy to be one, not of what I've built, but what I gave. Not, a, not in businesses and success and monetary accomplishments and all of that, but I want it to be in lives. And it starts with my family in that picture. There's nothing more important than that to me. Because if, that, if I lose that, I've got nothing. But how many of you know God can restore anything that the enemy has taken? Nothing is too big for our God. If you knew my story, church, you would know it's a story of a second chance. In my 20s, I lacked in character. I believed God for a lot of big things, and it grew a business from zero to $50 million in the 90s and then was out of business two years later because I did not have the character to handle the blessing. I had the faith to pray for it, but I didn't have the character. But how many of you know it's the journey in life that makes you, and God didn't waste anything. He took the pain, and he took the failure, and he took all of those things to position me to fulfill my purpose. So many of us wonder why these things are happening to us. And I say engage the Lord in all you do, the good, the bad, the ugly. He's not going to waste any of it. And many times it will position you to fill the very thing he's called you to do. So what would I say in that? I would say what happens many times in God's providence often contradicts his purpose. But we've got to be able to see that. If we're going to fulfill our legacy, it's not about us just building and obtaining. We've got to be able to have a mindset of making legacy-minded decisions as early as possible. It will equal greater significance. And so as the legacy pastor of Church of the Highlands, I spent 30 years in business. I still have some passive business interest, but it was primarily in financial technology, healthcare, oil and gas, real estate, and aviation. That was pretty much in those market segments. At 50 years old, I walked away at pretty much, I would say, the prime of my career and basically said, what I've learned, I'm going to give away now the second half of my life. Because every one of us has a bell curve in life, and that bell curve as we're going up, 
if you'll follow with me just, a little, just for a moment, the bell curve going up is we want to obtain, we go to school to get a good job, we try to, we, we get, a, get married, we have children, we have a house, we've got a car, we've got mortgages, we've got all these things, and we're trying to grow up a hill. Then as we start getting older, we don't look so much as being up as we do start looking back. And when you get in your 50s and your 60s, you're looking back and saying, what am I really going to leave? I had a friend of mine that recently passed away at 55 years old, had pancreatic cancer, found out Thanksgiving, and he died last week. And I, I went over there to visit with him. I got to spend some time with him the week before he passed. And I remember talking to him, and it wasn't about his business success or any of those things. It was about the legacy that he was going to be leaving in his kids and in what he gave of his life. So if you want to leave a legacy life, a legacy life's going to cost you something. A legacy life is worth investing in. Now watch this. Every one of us is going to leave a legacy. The type of legacy we leave is up to us. And your legacy does not get defined by your past unless you allow it to. I would be the most least likely person on the planet if you knew my whole story, not just the last 25 years, the whole story. You would say there's no way that I would have predicted that that young man would be serving God, much less give his life, the second half of his life, to helping pastors and business people come together. You see, a marketplace person needs to know that they're called and have a place inside the context of a local church. But this is super important. Many of you in here, probably 70 to 80% of you in here and watching at the Maryland campus, you have a job during the week, Monday through Friday. But do you see that job as being redemptive? Do you see that job as a holy calling like pastor's calling or bishop's calling? Do you see that that role Monday through Friday has equally importance in the kingdom of God? For many years, I didn't see it that way. I sat where you're sitting, and this is what I was doing. I checked the boxes of I attended church, I got baptized, I gave my life to the Lord, I went on a missions trip, I was in a small group, and then I gave a little bit of money. Check, check, check. And then I would go Monday through Friday to my job, and I would ask myself, is this all there is? Why am I doing what I'm doing Monday through Friday? Am I doing it just as a means to an end so I can have a balance sheet or a financial statement that can afford me to retire one day? And then I started studying the word retirement, and I couldn't find it in the Bible. Then I went to the Hebrew language, and it doesn't even translate the word. It doesn't exist. Now, I'm not saying you don't work somewhere and then you retire from there, but you move into a different season. And that season is, matter of fact, so important because what you learned all through that, you need to now give that away downstream. Amen? Because the people need it in order to fulfill what's on their life. So they can't do it without you. So a pastor, if they can help business people connect to kingdom purpose, everything will change. And so I was sitting there in the congregation, and I was unfulfilled, and this is what I asked God. 
I say, Lord, if this all there is, I don't know if I really want this. I knew I was going to go to heaven. But I just didn't feel connected. I, didn't feel, I felt out of place. And so watch, watch what happens. As a business person, if we don't know our place or our lane inside the context of a local church, we'll go create something outside of it. Because God has created us as a business person to build, to grow, or at least have dreams to do that. But the pastor sets the vision, the business person sets the speed of it or the pace of it. But it really is a divine covenant and a partnership. In our church, we have what we call legacy team. And legacy team is what I oversee. And that's 848 business people. That you know what they do? They see their Monday through Friday as a holy calling where they have just given their business gifts to the Lord. And they say, no, my business belongs to God. Whether I work at Chick-fil-A or whether I uh, fry chicken, whether I flipping burgers, whether I'm a student or whether I own 50 McDonald's or 50 Chick-fil-A's, God wants to use that Monday through Friday gift in a redemptive way. But if I'm going to use that gift, that means I need to be part of the discussion. doesn't mean you set the vision. At our legacy team, they don't set the vision. The pastor sets the vision. But what they do do is they have the ability to accelerate it. Because what we do is we give people reporting all throughout the year on what we're doing and the impact. I've never seen a business person, when they see the return on investment, not want to give more or do more. The challenge is when you don't communicate the tangible difference that's being made, people just don't really get fully engaged because they're, they're, they have a mindset, especially a business person, has a mindset that they want to see the world reached or they want to see what I call the EROI, and that's an eternal return on investment. And that's where the local church comes in because we can rescue. My wife and I founded Trafficking Hope in 2007, and your church supports our ministry with thousands of churches that are a part of our small groups. They're a part of a lot of the things that we're doing. We've rescued almost 400 girls from the U.S. out of sex trafficking. Amen. These are American girls. This is not some third world country, though it exists rampant there. These are girls here. These are girls that are living in upscale areas that coming from families with means or families that are dealing with poverty. It is so rampant. But we can rescue 387 ladies and get them care and food and a job. But if they never come to Christ, we lose. Because in light of eternity, that's a legacy-minded person. Everything I look at has to be through the lens of eternity. This ain't even in my notes you got to ask yourself this question. Is what I'm giving to in my life, my time, my resources, is what I'm giving to going to show up in heaven? We'll make great decisions. It'll be legacy-focused decisions. The greatest witness the 21st century church can be is not a worship team, even though y'all are great. It's not the preaching, which your pastors are fantastic. It's not a building which you need more campuses because there's more people dying, going to hell, and we need to reach them. So you have all of these different things that are going on. But the greatest witness of the 21st century church is a spirit of excellence. 
Because excellence is attractive. Excellence is what will get the unbeliever to take notice. When I drove up on here, you know what I saw? Excellence. It was manicured. It was clean. There was order. I, I looked at Pastor JC and I'm like, man, this is awesome. It's not just so we can come up here and suck the oxygen and high five and drink coffee, which all that's amazing. But we got to keep moving. We got to keep impacting the world. That's the thing. We got a timeline that we need to do, right? But the 21st century church being excellent, take Chick-fil-A, for example. That's my favorite restaurant. I love it. Not just because I'm in Georgia. I mean, I eat three times a week, waffle fries, that little number one meal, and a cookies and cream milkshake. Come on. No cherry. I like the cream, though. But I go there about three times a week, and I use Chick-fil-A as an example to my alma mater, my home state Popeye's fried chicken. Now, Popeye's tastes great, but it will kill you. I hope none of you own a Popeye's franchise, but I love it. I love the taste, but it'll kill you. But you walk into a Chick-fil-A, you're like, yes, sir, how are you? Thank you very much. It's like amazing. Sweet, angelic being on the other side of that register looked at me the other day, and I went, I ordered, and I was like, oh, I don't have my wallet. And that sweet angel, I mean like in a nanosecond, said, sir, no problem. It's on us today. Now, don't be going raid Chick-fil-A, tell them you ain't got your wallet. But I sat there and I'm like, oh, no, no, I'll come back. I'll come back. No, 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 sir, sir, sir. It's on us today. I'm like, oh, my Lord. I tell this story a thousand times. Why? It's excellent. Go to Popeye's, you feel like you got in a fist fight at the drive-thru. <laughs> Chicken ain't dropped yet. It's 20 minutes. That's why I'm going through the drive-thru. Do you have any, like, actuary person that kind of says, maybe we're going to be busy at this time and this, you know, we're going to drop some chicken? <laughs> I'm a foodie, by the way. I like food. All right, let me get to my, my message here. <laughs> Dr. Billy Graham, great man of God. He started well, he did well, and he ended well. I would have to say in our lifetime, one of the most highly regarded men of integrity. Billy Graham, before he died, said this. The next great move of God is coming through business leaders in the marketplace. Think about that for a second. I want that to resonate with you. This man who had just a, a calling of God and everybody respected him. has probably led more people to the Lord than anyone in our lifetime. This is one of his statements. And when I saw that, it really resonated with me. And my, my spiritual mentor is a guy by the name of Bill McCartney, who was a football coach that started Promise Keepers. And Coach Mack, as we affectionately call him, he said, Lee, he goes, this message of pastors and business people coming together and fulfilling their destiny together inside the context of a local church, he's really what God's calling you to do is to help people understand pastors and business people shouldn't compete. They're to complete each other. And I will be so bold to tell you, because we've seen it in over 10,000 churches that we work with around the world, where business people, God is messing with them. They're desiring more. They're asking themselves questions like, what am I supposed to do? I want to do something more for God. And if they can't connect, they get frustrated. Then they get frustrated because they're sitting there, then they feel guilty, and they feel guilty in this way. I can't be at the church thing on Wednesday night. I'm trying to run a business or I'm traveling. I feel guilty. 
but now they're seeing it as redemptive. So then it doesn't compete with their relationship with the Lord that the closer I get to God, the more I don't have to feel guilty or I don't have to feel like I have to choose. And if I interviewed you as a business person, for those of you that are here, you would say, I guarantee you at one moment in time, when you came to Christ, you maybe thought, I wonder if I should give up my job and go into the ministry. And I'm here to tell you, your business and your job is your ministry. Because you can reach people that aren't coming to church that need to be here in church. Amen? I love Colossians 1.16. It's one of my life scriptures. It says, for in him all things were created. Everybody say all things. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities or Republicans or Democrats or independents or the Green Party or, sorry, all things were created by him, created through him and for him. So everything was created by God. We get that. But do we understand that it's all created for him? Because if you can get that one context, if you get that one scripture, everything else in your life has to change. Because then everything I'm doing is for him. And it's not a works mentality. It's I get to do this because he sits on the throne. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And I get to be a part of this thing that he calls eternity and legacy. We're created by God for God. A question a man asked me once. I was a very driven man in my younger years, and it cost me. It's two questions. One, he said, Lee, are you being led or are you being driven? And I, thought, I was like, wow, he took me back with that question. And I was like, I said, what do you mean, pastor? He says, well, the Holy Spirit leads. Demons drive. And I sat there and going, ooh. I thought I was driven. That was the wrong answer, Bob. And he's like, no, no, no. He goes, son, you should work hard and you should do all of those things. But being led by the Holy Spirit leads and it's not about you. And your legacy, it's about building a legacy rather than a dynasty. See, legacy is about others and it's selfless and it's about the Father's name. Dynasties are an institution. It's about the Roll Tide and the Alabama and the Saban, and they're building this dynasty, and I'm so tired of it, and I'm ready for LSU to beat them. Sorry. But it's building a dynasty is selfish in the kingdom. So are we building a legacy or are we building a dynasty? Dynasties are about me. A legacy is about we. It's about we. Probably the greatest story in the Bible I've ever seen about a life of what could have been is the story of a man named Terah. In Genesis chapter 11, verse 31 and 32, it says, And Terah took Abram his son, Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. So this is before he changed his name to Abraham. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Everybody say settled there. They settled there. And Terah lived 205 years. Wow, that's a long life. And Terah died in Haran. Think about this. He settled there. 
the world's three greatest religions all recognize Abraham as the father of their religions. Judaism, Christianity, and even Islam. They all recognize Abraham as the father of their religions because of the covenant he had with God and because of the acts in which how he lived his life. He was a great man. But what's interesting about this scripture, if you ask any of those, uh, of those three largest religions, 99% of them couldn't tell you what is the name of Abraham's father. Terah? I've never heard that name before. Because they don't know it because Terah... In Scripture, had the chance God was giving him to take the people to the promised land, but he settled. So he had the chance to be the man. He had the chance to be that guy that God was going to use in a great way, but because he settled, God had to speak to his son, Abraham. And so he missed out on that. And I think when we settle in life, whether we're in our 20s, 50s, 70s, 80s, 90s. We still have breath in our lungs. God is not done yet. We need, a little, we need more in the church of young people, passionate, but we need wisdom. We need some gray hair. We need some no hair. There's got to be all of it together. That's God's perfect gumbo. Come on, somebody. As we would say in South Louisiana, ça c'est bon. Y'all can look that up. But Abraham was the man because his father settled. You see, I think you either deter or you define your God-given legacy. You deter it, which the, 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 the enemy is the one, he is the author of deterring. He wants to deter people and not deter them too great, but deter them about 10 degrees off because by the time when you're 10 degrees off of what God's called you to do, by the time you actually figure it out, you've wasted a whole bunch of time. So deter, which actually is defined as to prevent the occurrence of. That's to prevent it from happening. What does the enemy want to do? Destroy your life, prevent you from filling everything God's called you to. Well, then how do we define it, Lee? Well, defining is defined as the state or describe exactly the nature, scope, and meaning of. You see, when we deter our legacy, there's five things, if you're taking notes, to look for. We'll deter our legacy when, number one, we settle, like Terah. Number two, we deter our legacy when we get sidetracked. How many of you know, some of you married to this guy that I'm going to describe because that was me. Man, I just never saw a bad deal. I was like, oh, man, this idea and this idea and this idea. And some of you are smiling. Don't be elbowing your wife now to not smile. Is, so, yeah, I got this creative idea. Oh, we need to try this. Oh, honey, we're going to mortgage the house. Let's do this. This is a great idea. Well, we get sidetracked on all these things that sound so good, but they suck up our time because God's not in it. So we can deter that when we get sidetracked. There's so many things going on, so much information moving so fast. Using social media is awesome to get a message out. But it's also very distracting, like you saw that husband in that video. That was convicting to me. I got to go home and repent to my wife. Because I was like, I could find myself doing that sometimes. I know none of you, you all holy up in at South Metro and at Go Church. Y'all really holy up north. So we settle, we get sidetracked. Number three is we grow weary. So we grow weary, we just get tired. Man, I'm tired. There's just so much going on. I'm just, man, the weight of everything. 
Stop watching the news. And get into the good news. I stopped watching the news, and I'm a better person. I'm a lot nicer. I don't need to know all that craziness going on. I get sucked into it, wanting to cuss out my TV. Then I got to repent from cussing. Peter was a cusser, by the way. He was forgiven. Y'all know that's funny, too. Grow weary. I could have given up after coming from years of child abuse and having someone very near and dear to me. We found out that she had been sexually exploited for six years, and we didn't know it. So when people say, why did you form Trafficking Hope? Why do you want to rescue these girls? Because it's personal. And they matter. There's nothing more diabolical going on in the world than that. And we need to answer. And we need to respond. And so I'm really grateful for you as a church and your leadership and your generosity is helping us impact that together. So we settle, we get sidetracked, grow weary, Number four is we go halfway. And to some of you who don't know Louisiana, that's how we spell go. Yeah, we're a little backwards. But we spell G-E-A-U-X, go. So we go halfway. I think y'all should change the name of Go Church to G-E-A-U-X in D.C. area. But we go halfway. We're like, you know what, I've done enough. Or lastly, in the fifth one, we just quit. We quit. We're like, you know what? There's just reasons I'm going to quit. There's just, it's just too much going on. I'm just ready for Jesus to return. I know as I've gotten older, I've even thought about that. I'm like, Lord, please come. This is driving me nuts. The devil will always attack at the point of unity. So what's the opposite of unity? Division. Division. My God is a multiplier. He's an adder. He's not a subtractor. He's not a divider. But the enemy's always place of attack is going to be at unity. So that's why we need the local Big C Church coming together. I love the fact that you're multi-site, multi-campus. Keep doing it. I hope you have 50 campuses because people matter. So how do we define our legacy, Lee? You told me how look for things to deter it. How do we define it? We define our legacy when... We, one, trust God. And you say, oh, that's easy. Or that, yeah, whatever. I get it. Yeah, I'm going to trust God. No, we trust him. That everything I am, everything I have, I just don't dedicate what I have to God. I give it to him. He takes care of what he owns, not what we dedicate. It's kind of quiet out there. Y'all with me? We trust God. Number two, we discover purpose. Each one of us, have a unique thumbprint on our hand that's unlike any other. God has given us a spiritual gift and gifts that the Bible talks about. There's 27 mentioned in Scripture. Go and look for it. Study it. Seek out what are you gifted in. What is my spiritual gift? Somebody, some of you exhortation, some of you giving, some of you teaching, some of you administration, some of you hospitality. Put that exhortation, hospitality person greeting, Right? Somebody has the ability to do back office work. Somebody has the ability to be creative. God's created all of that. 
And we need to simply discover our purpose and then go make a difference in that very area. It's our wheelhouse. Number three, we need to connect with spiritual family. That's what you're doing today. You're coming here and you're sitting there part of a spiritual family, a church. And let me tell you something. We need spiritual family. I know what it's like not to have it, and I know what it's like to have it. And it's changed my life. I was a very guarded person. You thought you were my friend, but eh, it was, there was a guarded. There was a guard there. And I guarded my heart because I'd been taken advantage of and just different things. I was not a trusting person. And I had a hard time trusting God and really believing that he really could forgive me for what I had done. He really could set me free for that junk. He really would give me a second chance. I had these thoughts. And God did an amazing work and a transformation in my life that, man, and he gave me a hall pass that he said, you know what, son? Why don't you just pray that I remove things that aren't pleasing to me and don't worry about all that other stuff. You're a work in progress, like that interstate, under construction. And so God began to do that over years and refining it. Just when I think I got my house in order, there's like one little closet that I forgot to clean that he opens up. Oh, we're not quite done yet because we're a work in progress. So, but we have to have spiritual family because you need people seeing your blind spots. Not a lot of people, but you need some. Isn't it amazing that scripture talks about we get forgiven when we, can, when, when we ask God for forgiveness and it comes, but healing comes through confession. Number four, I've got about, ooh, I'm almost out of time. We have an upstream and a downstream. We have an upstream and a downstream. An upstream you gain wisdom from. That's where you seek counsel. You got to have, if I'm a 30-year-old guy, entrepreneur, I'm going to find me some businessmen in this church that have gone a lot further than I've ever gone because I don't know what I don't know, and I'm going to go seek them, and I'm gonna, they're my upstream. I'm going to gain counsel from them, wisdom from them. They have scars. Let me tell you about scars. I want to do life with people who have scars because wounds are dangerous. Scars have wisdom especially when they're redeemed. But the downstream is, as I've gained an upstream wisdom, now i got to use it, live it, then i got to give it away downstream. If I keep it, it becomes a stagnant pool. But if I give it away, it's life-giving. It's what you've seen modeled right now in your church with, with a legacy baton passing from Bishop Allen to his son-in-law. I won't even use that, his son because why? That's how the kingdom of God works. It's very much like a relay race where you're passing that baton. Why? To hopefully take it further and farther than he ever could. That's the kingdom of God. And you know what? He's celebrating it. That's legacy. And I want to honor you for that. Both of you, Ms. Valerie, is, is yeah. And lastly... We have to be faithful with what's in our hand. You see, you have your calling and your purpose. Your calling is what you're good at. It's what you're faithful. It's what you're faithful. It's what's in your hand. It's like what I do every day. So it could be a business gift. It could be um, a financial modeling or analytics type mentality. That's how I think and look. So it's for me, I'm like, there are certain areas I'm really gifted in, so I can do that very easily. There's a grace on it. 
My purpose is I want to eradicate human trafficking. I want to help business people uh, fulfill their kingdom purpose. I want to see the local church advance the gospel. That's my purpose. But if I lay down my calling, I never get to my purpose. If Tyler Perry, who I had the opportunity to meet at a Hillsong conference, I'm standing next to him, didn't know it was him, till they said, high-five your neighbor, and I high-fived him, and I looked at him like, he's a big man, and I looked at him and said, Medea. <laughs> he just bust out laughing. It's very kind, but we high-five, and I'm like, if he would have never done any of his acting and all the movie and all that stuff, he wouldn't have the platform of influence to do anything. If Bono with you 2 who has been single-handedly, by the way, that's a rock band, and, and uh, I know none of you ever listen to any secular music, but we'll keep moving, is uh, uh, he basically has been responsible for billions of dollars funded to the kingdom. Poverty. Developing nations. If he would have stopped after the second album and not done his career in music, his calling, he would have never fulfilled his purpose. So business person, you don't need to lay down the very thing that you're doing thinking there's something else God has for you. You need to be faithful to what's in your hand. It's the key to your purpose in fulfilling what's in your heart. And when we do that, we'll leave a godly legacy. I'm going to close with this, which, by the way, I love this church. I get the opportunity and the blessing to speak in a lot of churches, but I love this church, and I love your pastors. And you guys have done an amazing, amazing thing here in this part of the country. And it's going to continue to grow. But hear me. Everything that's been done is the floor, not the ceiling of what God has for this house. And it's going to require every one of us to be focused and make decisions on legacy. So simply do this. I encourage you. Don't listen to me. Ask God, what should I do, Lord? What should I do? Where can I use my influence? Where can I use my gift? Maybe it's for me taking the step for the first time on move track. I've not done that before. I've been saved for 85 years. I don't need to do move track. I got it. I do all of this. Get on move track. Take that step and really get an understanding of what your church does. Get in a small group. Get yourself a downstream where you can pour into young people that need you because we need both gray hair, no hair, and them young, crazy, tatted-up, skinny jeans folks too because <laughs> they bring creativity, passion, innovation. And, man, we need everybody together. It's in your difference that's your value. So bring that difference to this house and let it flourish. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. If you're with your spouse, don't be grabbing another girl's hand. If you're with your spouse... Grab your wife's hand. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for South Metro and Go Church. I thank you, Father, for the history. I thank you, Father, for the legacy. I thank you for the future that's going to be realized on this house to impact the world for your name. I thank you, Father, for every family represented here. I pray, God, that, Lord, that they would have the mind of Christ and hold the thoughts and feelings and purposes of your heart. I thank you that they will be believers and not doubters, that they will hold fast to the confession of faith. Their faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. I thank you, Father, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up 
up against them in judgment shall be shown to be in the wrong because, God, you are on their side. I thank you, Father, that for, as for them in their house, they will serve the Lord. And I thank you, Father, that, Lord, just bless their marriages. I pray that they would take the step of connecting even after this service and tonight before they go to bed, that husbands and wives would grab each other by the hand and look at each other and say, you know what? Let's start praying together. How can I pray for you? You pray for me. And, God, you're going to do great work in and throughout families in this house. And, Lord, we pray, Father, that those are not yet reached, that, Lord, that, that, Lord, that you would just cast a net, bring them into this house, let them sh we'll show them the love of Jesus. And, Father, we're not a perfect house, but we serve a perfect daddy. And so, Lord, we thank you for all you're doing in and through this house. I thank you for the future. And that, Lord, Father, I just pray a blessing over everyone here, both here and in Maryland and Germantown. Bless them, God. I pray that they would be salt and light in their cities, in their offices, in their relationships, in their families. And Lord, at the end of the day, we are going to rest to know this, that one day we will hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. That's a great word, man. Come on, would you bless Pastor Lee Domain today? Come on, church. Wow, such a, such a challenging word. Will you, do, will you do me a favor? Will you stay with me for two minutes? Okay, I want you to bow your head for just a second. I know what some of you are thinking. Well, if I don't leave now, I won't get a table at the restaurant. You tell, them, you tell the host that your pastor had a reservation for you. They'll let you right in. Here's the question that I want to ask you, and I want you to reflect on it for a couple of minutes. What type of legacy will you leave? What type of legacy will you leave? Can I tell you, as you take a moment to reflect, I've been guilty of complaining about all the things that I don't have, the things that have been unfair and unjust and looking at my life and complaining to God why things turned out the way they did. But at the end of the day, God's given you a story. And are you being responsible, as Pastor Lee said, to use whatever it is in your hand? What a challenging thought that what you do Monday through Friday is so much more than just to pay your bills or to invest into a Roth IRA or to plan for retirement. All of those things are great and necessary. But it's your ministry? Whoa. It makes the uh, receptionist look at those who come in for the appointment through a different lens, doesn't it? It makes the barber recognize that the people that sit in his chair they need hope. Makes the auto repairman realize he's working on the car of God's chosen. It's your ministry. You think you're just waiting tables? God has given you responsibility. So here's my prayer. As you reflect on this, God, it is the desire of my heart to leave a legacy when it comes to my marriage with Kimberly, when it comes to my children, when it comes to this ministry, 
I don't know how many more days I have on this earth. James tells us that life is but a mist. It's here today and it's gone. Think about even, as Pastor Lee mentioned, uh, Abraham's father, Terah, living 205 years. That's unheard of today, but even 205 years compared to eternity is short. What are we going to do with the life that we have, with the days that we're given, with the hours that are in front of us? Could we leave a legacy that would impact generations? Because generations matter. And it starts with this, and here's how we'll close. Maybe you feel unfulfilled. Maybe you feel like there's a void. Maybe you feel like what Pastor Lee mentioned in his own life, just kind of going through the, the motions Monday through Friday, then showing up to church on Sunday. M maybe it's because you need a rededication of your life to Christ. Or maybe it's because you need a relationship with Christ and you need to accept him as your Lord for the very first time. Could I tell you and submit to you that that decision to say yes to Jesus is the greatest legacy that you could ever leave? And it starts there. Of all of the accomplishments that you and I might obtain here on earth, of all of the opportunities and wealth and things that we might accumulate, I want it to be said about me when I pass is that JC was a man of God and that he put Christ first in everything that he did. So church, you wanna leave a legacy? It starts with this question. Are you right with Jesus? Are you right with the Lord? And if not, what are you waiting on? Respectfully, your way's not working, you know that. So give your life to God. Turn it over to God and say, Lord, Lord, I'm giving you every part of my life. So nobody's looking but, but me and Jesus. If that's you, you want to rededicate your life to Christ, you want to accept Jesus for the first time, and you want that to be a part of your legacy, would you put your hand up? Come on, anyone around this room. Thank you so much. Oh, to God, be the glory. From the front seat to the back row. Come on now. Yes, anybody else? Thank you so much. You know, uh, look at me, everybody. Dozens of hands in this service, dozens of hands in the previous. Our campus pastor texts me in between about all the salvations there. Can we just thank God for that? Come on, can we just, come on. Come on, the Bible says that all of heaven is rejoicing, so can we do that here on earth too? Come on now. Ah. Let me pray this prayer over you, Father. I thank you for this decision, and I thank you for this word. I don't want to just live my life to make it about me. I'm not trying to build some dynasty. I'm trying to build a legacy, and that mentality is about us, we, plural. And God, it starts with getting right with you. So for those of you that raised your hand and maybe others that didn't raise your hand, but you know in your heart of hearts that you need to get right with the Lord, here's the prayer. Forgive me, Jesus of making it about me and my agenda and my way. I give my life to you. I commit my heart to you. I commit my mind to you. And I say, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anybody, Lord, you can use me. I commit my life to you. And whatever marketplace responsibility, whatever job, I look at it not as, a, not as a, a, a way to pay bills, but I look at it as my ministry. And I give that to you as well. And we pray all of these things in one name. It's the only name that has all of the authority. It's the name of Jesus.
And together the church said, amen.